Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Sendit Philippines. Sendit is the leading payment gateway in the Philippines. Allow your business to accept payments seamlessly from cards, e-wallets, retail outlets, and local banks. For more information, visit sendit.co. Also powered by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also by Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. I think I learned that not everything is about me. People depend on you. Uh, your teams depend on you. And so even if you don't like getting up in the morning and doing what it is that you, you need to do, you have to do it. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beityong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We got the big boys already back. It's not actually back. This is the first time they've been here. But my God, I don't have never had anybody or if I have I don't recall as many people that have raced series B in the Philippines and if you get to this level you must be doing something amazing right it's not just series B total of 30 million dollars 30 million dollars in total funding over the past few rounds of the 
you've you raised. But before I get carried away, let's welcome the founder and CEO of one of the hottest startups in the Philippines now, Grocery. And let's welcome their founder, Mr. E.R. Royan. E.R., welcome to Hustle Share. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And again, um, sorry for canceling twice. Not, there's, this is a tough <laughs> freaking week. My goodness. No worries. Funny. You know how it is. Ah. Hustle, hustle. Hustle and firefighting all the time. <laughs> People don't understand, you know, how, you know, we all think that the, whoever said before, because there's a notion that when you become a boss or a CEO, all you're going to do is just sign papers. Whoever that guy is an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> no, as bigger, the bigger the, the, the company gets, the crazier it gets as well. Okay, yeah, now yeah. ER again, thanks very much. But before I get carried away again, I need to ask you the million dollar question ER, what's your hustle? So, hey guys, I'm ER. I'm uh, one of the co founders and CEO of Grocery. Grocery, from the name, it's a word play between grocery and growing Sari Sari stores. Nice. Uh, which is what inspired us. Uh, our business is really about trying to use technology to disintermediate the value chain between companies and size stores mm. so we can give them more avenues to earn and mm. at the same time uh, make it more efficient for companies to go to market uh, through our platform. Absolutely. Um, and I remember get, getting exposed to this type of business when I was uh, trying to create a chatbot for one of the biggest colas. It's so easy to freaking figure that out. The who is predominantly found in all Sari Sari stores, right? And they had a similar problem, you know, from their manufacturing plant to their big distributorship, and they call it the last mile. That's where they have zero data. Right. And it's so hard to track all of that. And I said, who the hell can solve this problem? And then when I saw you, like, my God, we got a local winner. And I, I love it. People don't understand that it's such a big problem. It's, it's two ways. The, the main company, the main FMCG, don't have a visual of where their products end up and how fast. Because in, in a perfect world, they want to do that fast. And also, the Sari Sari store, the last retailer, the one that goes to customer, goes through so many middlemen that it affects their margin yeah. and everything else. Right. But yep. before I get carried away again, ER, I need you to buckle up because we have a special machine in this podcast because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. Right. We're going to go back all the way to the factory. Okay. So, ER, before you again started Grocery, there's, there's, there's got to be some influence to, to you growing up. Can you talk a little bit more about your, your origin story? Did you have entrepreneurs in the family? What was that like growing up? And, uh, or what was your career or your dream uh, when you were a <laughs> young boy? Wow, okay. No, um, uh, actually, I was uh, the eldest of three. I, I am the eldest of Akuya. three. Akuya. Uh, Akuya. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom is very heavy on education. 
Mm. And like, there is a path to, you know, study well, be a lawyer, be a doctor, be an engineer, you know, that, that type of path. And he used to be a teacher. She used to be a teacher. And then uh, when she had me, she decided to just focus on, you know, on being a mom. So very strict. Um, If you don't get uh, good academic scores, you know, you're going to see the stick. (laughs) Uh, So very, very early on, uh, that sort of discipline was was, uh, inculcated in me. When I was uh, in third grade, Wow. Um, third grade to fourth grade, that's when you move from just morning class to full day yeah, class. Full day. Right? Na. Mm. Full day. So my the playmates I have in our in our community, we all we all come from the same school. Okay. They all sing so good. Okay. So they joined this uh, boys choir in elementary. Okay. And so I had uh, no one to play with <laughs> oh. <laughs> anymore because they're all in choir practice. Yeah, but, but you know, I'm not I'm not as good. I'm not nearly as good as them. But I decided to join anyway because I didn't have any mm. playmates. So I ended up enjoying that. But what was uh, quite interesting was at the time our choir master is now the Mark Anthony Carbio, now the okay. choir master of Philippine Magical Singers. What? We were his first boys choir when he very very young oh in his my God. it was quite intense man so uh, when i was in fourth grade we were doing concerts in provinces baguio wow. like kids we were handling cash they, they were there were officers there was a treasurer wow. we were uh, studying musical theory and every summer there's a test that if you don't pass the musical theory and the vocal test you don't get to participate in the season That's and this is grade four so I feel like these two things, these two experiences of my mom being such an academic, you know, such having a high bar on academic excellence and kind of very early on getting exposed to responsibility, teaming, uh, some sort of leadership, mm. uh, responsibility. I, I think I learned that not everything is about uh, me. Correct. People depend on you. Um, your teams depend on you. And so even if you don't like getting up in the morning and doing what it is that you, you need to do, you have to do it. So that was uh, uh, something that uh, I understood very early on. That's amazing. In, in a way, it kind of also made me, uh, maybe, the, but that's for uh, you know later on. In, in a way, I, I kind of got dependent also on mm-hmm. what people think of me. Right, mm. because you do stuff with people, then it, it matters so much what they think of you. But, uh, but later on, anyway, so um, uh, got into uh, um, high school. You know, we decided to continue the group. We were we, but our music now evolved to kind of pop a cappella. Oh wow! Because okay. we were kind of getting older, um, <laughs> and and then. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you now have to choose songs that will right. get you chicks, right? I mean, at that time, okay? it's not about the church boy band music. Time, right? boy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but you know these these guys are you know friends for you know couple of decades now. Right, so right. we continued on our craft after college. I got into uh, I was kind of blessed enough to get into UP. Wow. And uh, when I was in UP, Willie Monsod was one of my economics professors. Wow. And, uh, 
Maring Winnie, yes, there yes. And you know how it works is she would do this lecture in like a 300 seating capacity conference room. And then you all okay. break out because if you want to double click, she'll pass you to another teacher to do the actual and all. But, but she'll do the, the big lecture. Wow. And then she said that, you know, you guys are here because of taxpayers' money. So after you graduate, if you're going to mm. study abroad, don't come to me. I'm going to slap you. Something to that. <laughs> because you're going to take your talents abroad. Yeah. Don't do that because, you know, it's the Filipino taxpayers' money that, that gave you your supposed world-class education. Makes Which sense. for me is, uh, you know, I got hit by that because immediately after college, I went to Singapore. But, but we'll talk about that <laughs> <laughs> later. In wow. college, I got involved in an organization called uh, Junior Marketing Association. JMA. JMA, yes. Mm-hmm. And my leadership skills and my teaming and kind of, you know, building stuff, organizing events, it really, it, it went to a completely different level. Yep. And then I realized that at that time, you know, I was in okay academic standing. I wasn't mm-hmm. like that good, but maybe, you know, decent, still with honors. But I realized that everyone in my barcada, they're all magna cum laude and summa cum laude standing. Wow. And then I was like, Okay, even if I graduated with a cum laude status, that's probably not going to differentiate me enough in the market. So I told my mom, hey, maybe I should give the school org, you know, a chance and really like be serious at it. Absolutely. But my grades are going to go. I mean, so I told her, I had to pre-align her, right? Right. uh, So this average is going to dip a quarter and quarter semester and semester wow. I'm just telling you this is a choice right? she wasn't very pleased with that of course <laughs> you still get the like, stick why are you throwing this away <laughs> you still get the stick when you are exactly, an exactly. Right. she didn't understand it at the time okay. so mm-hmm. of course no, you get the stick yeah, I'm a grown ass man and I still get the stick um, <laughs> but so <laughs> yeah so I uh so I, I, uh, I, I love the organization. I, I loved mm-hmm. it so much. I, I ran for presidency. I became the president during wow. my senior year. UPJMA. And it's actually what got UPJMA. Wow. And it's actually what got me all the job interviews, right? That's not, the, not, the, not the grades because my grades were already terrible. At yeah. So that's how I got into uh, uh, PNG. That was my first job. That's, uh, mm. but the but the job in PNG was in it was in Singapore, God. and at the time, our little acapella group just got a deal mm. with Star Records. Wow! At the time, so A career supposed to or other career. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna correct, do? Correct. Right, and uh, they were slated to go to uh, China or Austria. I forgot to compete for like like the world acapella olympics mm-hmm. so basically i had to leave the group wow. and go to singapore and kind of that's how my uh my professional career started and i'll just jump in a, a little bit and you took the right route because again looking at the chances right it's hard to compete with the grade a students if no matter how you do you have a handicap but if if you're already used to being a leader by default that will come in naturally to you. I took the same path. I couldn't study for <laughs> shit. My uh, studies were good. What I took, after I worked in a call center, I realized like shit. I had, my first exposure to leadership was through varsity. 
play oh, basketball. Nice. So nice. that was the same discipline, you know, coming in and realizing that school is not the only thing that you're going to school for, but there's something after that I actually loved and I'm more passionate about, right? So I was just going through the motions, but the one that I really put all my heart out was the basketball. And again, team, team sport, leadership, you get to be counted out, you play a role. And, right. you know, as you grow old, especially in business, a lot of things apply, right? So that's very good. And one thing about UPJMA, I've gotten the chance to work with the people in UPJMA. When in my first startup, Party File, it was a nightlife startup, one thing about UPJMA, they played, they, back then, pre-pandemic, <laughs> when the world was still normal, <laughs> My God, UPJMA throws the craziest fucking party <laughs> in town. It's called true, Ad yeah. Hoc. Yeah, yeah. And what we, it, yeah, what we tell ourselves is, this, this, you know, the, the proceeds of the party goes to a scholarship fund. Since <laughs> it's a school, that's what we tell ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so party on. My God, no. And the one thing about the UPJMA peeps, uh, I've, I did probably four or five iterations of Ad Hoc before. It just kept going bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier. But you're right. Now it makes sense. Because again, if you were the per- first iteration of those kids back then, those kids get thrown into the fire so much by running parties yeah. and also running a whole freaking uh, organization. Stop not just UPJMA. I've had a chance of, to work with other JMAs in other schools. It's not even close. It's wow, not even you. close. We appreciate that. <laughs> no, I swear, it's not even close. The, the the attention to detail and the ability, this is grown-up shit that, that yeah, we're talking that's, about. That's right. That's right. And that's right. again, if, if, if you're a student, you're listening to this, there's, no, that's not, there's not just one path to success. You either become, develop your leadership skills. I also took the same route. I became a vice president of the Entrepreneurship Society in, in UST, and that's where I studied. And that's where I honed my skills. It's like, I'm not going to go get any Latin honors no matter how I try to do it. Not in my wildest dream. But I can invest on my normal inclinations, which is leadership, paying it forward, and communication. So there. Now, things go difficult. And not a lot of people figure it out after college when they're trying, especially when they're doing some something uh, since childhood, I've seen people struggle also there. Like if, if singing was your thing, right? And all of a sudden that's taken away from you or you can't do that anymore or be competitive in that. How did you cope when you went to Singapore? Totally different dynamic, totally different country. And now it's just work. How did you cope with that as a youngin? Oh, that's a good question. It, it's tough. And I think, more than the singing, it's the community Correct. that you have to rebuild, right? So I was uh, really, really blessed to have a group there of Filipinos also who uh, got relocated. At that time, the, the Procter & Gamble regional office was being set up in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So it's a fairly young um, setup, I think. And so the Filipino talent was recognized globally that uh, there were a lot of Filipinos in the team. So that really became my family for, you know, for, te- for the 10 years that I stayed in Singapore, even though I was already out of PNG. So, so that, was, that was one. It was important for us to discover new interests as a new mm. family mm. and kind of, you know, uh, build that trust again with each other. So, so it's good. In fact, I always tell whenever uh, this group 
we have this reunion. We always have that 10 years of our lives wow. where, you know, no one could take away from us. I learned everything from, uh, right. in terms of being an adult, right? Yeah. I was plucked out of my family right after college to go li- live in Singapore. I've experienced not paying my electricity bills because I forgot, so my power was <laughs> cut. Um, the laundry, oh, you know, wow. needs to be done. Dishes, mm. um, max at my credit card. Mm. So irresponsible, right? So, and it is good to have a, uh, yeah, you know, a group, a solid group of people to go through that um, time of my life with. Got it. Now, in, in those times uh, as well, because we always say it, and I, pro- you probably have this thing. A lot of the founders that I know have a big super ego. Like it's like the back voice at the back of your head for you to freaking when you feel like shit, you're you're not doing things right. That voice for me is my mom as well. She's a tiger mom as well. And then it just that just snaps right you back into it. Well, during those times that you were struggling, and it's important how you react to that. It's either you rise right, to the occasion. Right. Or you just cave in and you just lose all confidence and whatnot. During those times of struggle, while you're trying to keep up, and the next thing I'll ask later is what you did in PNG, what skills you learned. But on the non, on, on the life, life part, Ooh. did you have a super e- ego at the back of your head trying to like, uh, holy shit, I miss my electricity? <laughs> right. Well, super ego for sure. Right. I think for me, a lot of it manifested uh, as I started grocery. Mm. I'm just praying that I don't have it anymore, right? But uh, it's not easy, Ron. I mean, mm. the if you can just imagine, uh, you know, being JMA president, getting into PNG, uh, from BCG getting into Unilever. Mm. You know, I was doing okay in, in the yeah. corporate world, right? I, I met my, my wife in Singapore, got mm. married. You know, we have a good life. Yeah. And when the grocery opportunity came in, mm. I was gonna, uh, I was about to throw that away, right? Yeah. And and props to my wife because I'm also risking the stability that we that we've already built for yeah. a decade. That's scary, right? yeah. yeah, man. So, but but your point, super ego, mm. right? I've because I haven't had experienced massive failure in the mm. past. I thought I could just do anything. And so, in my mind, why would this be harder? Um, let's go do it, right? So, yeah. went to Manila. And because, uh, you know, no salary for mm-hmm. maybe the first 18, 24 months. Oh, so, wow. my wife had to stay back in Singapore to work. Wow. Uh, so, we were split mm-hmm. family. Pa, diba? LDR. LDR, yes, LDR. But, bro, this is the start of the downfall. I mean, I know Series B and all, it's something that's good to celebrate. But... You know, Dude. in the beginning, <laughs> it was us. It was, uh, I have to, along with a very small team that started it, we were the ones picking the order, packing the order. We were driving our cars, delivering to the store. Wow. We couldn't even get 20 stores to sign up at the time. And we were getting rejections left and right. Mm-hmm. And then you have to pay your bills. And you, you're not uh, getting Singapore dollars to to pay right. for that, you're earning uh, in peso now. More, mm. Earning in peso, if at all, right? If you're earning at all. Yeah. And then you're far from your wife. So, pare, to cut the story short, it was a very dark time for me. There were moments when um, literally I would shift from, this is the best decision of my life. This is the best idea ever. And 10 minutes after, 
what am I doing to myself? Why am I subjecting myself to this kind of stress, right? Correct. In fact, bro, it, it took a strain in, in our marriage. In fact, mm-hmm. um, we, there was a time when my wife and I separated. We're back together. Oh, no. we're, we're very happy now. Yeah. We separated because uh, well, I, I was so uh, egoistic. Like, I, yeah. I don't like failing and, uh, and I blame everyone. I think I'm the best mm-hmm. guy, uh, guy out there. Yeah. To top it all off, my wife and I got pregnant. Mm. And then, uh, yung baby namin, pare, uh, yung skull sa loob, hindi siya, it didn't close. The skull didn't oh, close. No. So, inside the womb, you can see part of the brain peeping out. They call it an encephalocell, a frame, right, something right. like that. Oh, no. So, the doctor said, incompatible to life. You know, when that, when, when that baby goes out, you can, you know, you can just assume that you know, in minutes he will pass, right? And then we did some research and then we met a couple, fine couple, who had the same instance, uh, same experience. And they battled it out. They fought it. They did everything what they could. The baby survived for 11 months. We met with the, with the couple. And then uh, imagine at the time, right? Grocery was in complete oh shambles. I asked the parents, how much money did you have to spend to fight? this 11-month battle. And the dad said to about 20 million pesos. Oh, and so, you can just imagine, imagine, right? So That's crushing. Yeah. And so, I was telling my wife, I, you know, I, I don't think we can fight this because just look at our financial situation at the moment, right? And all of these, whatever. But she wanted to keep it, um, fight baby. it, keep it, yeah. right? Um, so, we separated, Barry. And, um, the baby, uh, when the baby was born, Pari survived. Wow. So, within three days, That's the miracle we sent him to right brain surgery. So, mm. brain surgery, we stay, parang you, uh, stayed in the hospital for like six months. We do all, all sorts of stuff. Basically, the works, right? And uh, he stayed with us for 14 months. Um. And in that time, you know, when I was, uh, when I look at my wife, when I look at my son, such strength in, in, uh, in that situation that I really felt like I had to step up, no? At the time also, my wife was, um, so he became, he really um, uh, took to Christ. He, he became extremely spiritual. Yeah. And I saw that peace in, him, in her. Mm. That we when we started to reconcile, I mm. also started to, you know, drop my ego. So you know, this is not about me. I am nothing without his grace. So, pare, it, you know, that was a, a complete hundred eighty degree turnaround for me. And and I felt like he needed to do that to me, or I needed to experience all of this because I was already turning out uh, to become a terrible, terrible leader. And a terrible, terrible CEO, right? So, pare. So you know what they say, diba? Parang behind every success, cliche, right? Every yeah, success, it's true. Man is a but it's true. Man. It is true, right? And 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 not only that, it's it's also because of her faith and her, I know her, her faithfulness. And parang that drew me in also. Yon pare, we, I ne- I never look back, and now Maybe. I feel like. I, I had to realize that nothing that I have or own is really mine or mm. or it's because of my effort purely. Right. 
for me to uh, appreciate that you know mm-hmm. I need everyone else in this journey to help me. And also a lot of luck, you know, it'll bring right place at the right time. <laughs> Just no matter how hard we work. And matter of fact, there's a lot of people that work harder than us. And, yeah, you know, in terms yeah. of just degree of difficulty, in terms of effort, but you yeah. know, there, there's a lot of luck that has to happen, right, that, to get that done. Yeah. All right. Now, ER, let's take our first break. What an amazing first part! My God, I was woo, amazing. But let's Just take our first break. Machine, <laughs> no, but it's amazing. I love it. I love how you just poured your heart out because this is what people don't understand. People always yeah. think it's just accolades and shit. Nah. In this podcast, we talk about yeah. the hard stuff. And that's yeah. why we're going to talk about bro salary in deep. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, hustlers. It's been over a year and a half since the pandemic has started and completely bamboozled us because it changed and altered how business is done in the Philippines. But if there's a silver lining that I've seen, the businesses and startups that thrive now are those who are not just digital, but also make it easy for their customers to pay them. And the thing is, no matter how great you think your product is, your startup won't scale and achieve real product market fit if you don't do an omni-channel approach in getting your customers' payments. Now, we've discussed so many options of how to get that done in this podcast already. However, what if you can just get that done using just one product? And that's why I highly recommend that you guys use Sendit. Sendit Philippines is the leading payment gateway in the country and they allow businesses to painlessly and seamlessly accept payments from their customers. And these payment channels include credit cards, direct debit, e-wallets like Gcash, PayMy, and GrabPay, retail outlets, and pay later. Now, I'm not going to recommend this if we are not a user ourselves. We use Sendit in Podcast Network Asia and getting payments from our sponsors and also disbursing money to our podcasters. Now, it's not just us because there's a lot of legit Filipino startups that achieve scale that are using Sendit to get this done, just like our friends from Kumu. Now, if you're interested to use it for your business or your startup, we're going to make it very easy for you to get started because you are a listener of HustleShare. And that's why we're going to give you access to Sendit's SME program, which is Sendit's org-wide initiative to help our SME customers grow and scale. Through this program, they will waive up to 1.6 million pesos per business and free transactions just by signing up today. And it's only applicable to new Sendit merchants and for transactions excluding cards. So if you're interested, just click the link in the description box of this episode to find out how to join. So if you have a business or startup that's gaining momentum now, I highly suggest you start investing in this infrastructure like Sendit to allow you to scale, not just now, but for a post-pandemic world. All right, let's get back to the show. And we're back from the break. We are still with ER Rolian again. What an amazing story already. So again, <laughs> this is what we talk about in this podcast. Because again, we can talk about accolades and money and raising. But dude, we're all human. And we go yeah. through dark times. And the ones that really plow through are the ones who are able to overcome that. In, in, my, in my part, bro, I had to go through that as well. But it cost me my first startup. That was right, a right. dark time, my God. Losing everything. But again, what I realize now is that, you know what? You're only really 
you only really lose when you stop, when you quit. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, until you keep fighting, it doesn't have to be the current iteration of your startup. When you put into work what you've learned, then you'll be able to give yourself a fighting chance, like a fighting maroon right there, even though I'm a growling tiger, um, uh, to get that done. But I want to understand now, just going back now to the, the business side of grocery. I want to understand. So you did almost seven years in PNG. In, you also did BCG, which by the way, so I'll just say uh, previous hustlers who are super fucking legit that went through similar paths. PNG, you know who was former PNG? Your investor, Mr. Paul Santos. He was safeguard, yeah, I think. So that was amazing. BCG, yeah. Brian Ku, who was a uh, yeah. you know BCG consultant and Unilever. There's so many people also who went to Unilever, and there are things that they accumulated over that time. Just before we talk about grocery, I just want to go back and a little bit back on the time machine, hop a little bit back in. And talk about the mm-hmm. skills you accumulated and learned while you were in Singapore, the business side. Because a lot right, of what you do in grocery, for sure, you learned in these, these stints. For sure, for sure, for sure. I think my entire, I would say, 10-year uh, corporate experience, I was based in Singapore. And I was really looking after the region, Southeast Asia, right? And maybe broader APAC. And if you if you're in that region, the usual suspects, especially at the time, uh, early mid 2000, was uh, you know Indonesia, India, China, right? Maybe Philippines if uh, if you're not on those if you're already big on those markets, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And what all of these markets have in common is like a, some sort of a size size store type. Concept. Yeah. Right? Warung so, in Indonesia. Yeah. In India. Right. Correct. So, so the 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 route to market challenge is the same. Mm. And so, being in the being in Singapore, looking after the region, the, the business question is the same for all brands who are trying to make it big in the in the region. And that's when you start to appreciate it. And my uh, my function is I'm in consumer in consumer and market insights, consumer and market Got knowledge. It. That's my expertise. So. I do uh, market research a lot to bridge the information gap between what the companies want to know and you know what where the market opportunities are. Okay. And a lot of questions are really around how do you optimize our presence in general trade or size size store type. So so there's consistency in mm-hmm. in those ten years. Size size stores have always been there in yeah. terms of me being exposed to that type, mm-hmm. but. In, in when I was in uh, BCG, mm. who by the way, so uh, I started grocery with uh, with a business partner, mm. um, who I, I even in my PNG days, you know, we, we worked together. Then we moved to BCG, and then eventually mm. I, I moved to BCG. We would always chat, and uh, in BCG, uh, we would like the company would always get this um, increase from from. Uh, from clients mm. to do some sort of a census work to understand wow. how many size size stores are there in Vietnam and in Indonesia. Wow. How many of them are buying my category? How many of them are buying my competition? Yeah. And that's 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 an extensive amount of work. Like BCG yeah. would have to hire manpower, they have deploy surveying skills. And the most interesting 
thing for me was that companies were willing to pay millions of dollars for this information yep. that yep. in six months is going to be obsolete. Correct. Because in six months, you don't know, right? If, if you're... If the size size stores you interviewed are still open, <laughs> or if their financial position has changed, so but yeah. but but clearly it's of value, even mm. though for that snapshot of a period of time they get right. some sense of accurate data. So yeah. that's what kind of started it. Um, mm. If we can harness that information, then that will be of value. Yeah. Um, at the time we were just thinking about maybe we give them a point of sale machine because coming from an insights background, I was not interested in this whole supply chain distribution, whatever. That's not my background. My background is data and insights. So I just wanted to get the insights from the store and it felt like the most efficient way to do that was to do a POS. Mm. But obviously that failed massively, right? And we did some pilots around that. Because there's no value to them. Like, why would I want the POS? Um, right. Why do I want to declare my sales? Ma BIR pa ako, di ba? In Salisari store. <laughs> they, I mean, there's no, there's no, nothing in it for them. And it's right. actually, as you mentioned, Paul Santos, one of our early uh, mentors at the time, he was based in Singapore also, told us, you're not solving a problem. You're just trying to, uh, you're just trying to get their data. Right. Why don't you, why don't you think about what you're trying to solve and how you're going to create a value from that. We were going to be on the side of the Sari store and we were going to champion their cause. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, at the time we were calling the company Empos Mobile POS. We shifted from that name to Grow Sari, mm-hmm. which came out of us after five beers or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> we needed a name to reflect the, the shift in mindset right exactly. and, and so we wanted to be the company that is primarily for the Sari Sari store and then that's mm-hmm. when kind of Rosari was born so that's when we said okay we have to completely rethink this mm-hmm. and let's start with if I were to ask the Sari Sari store what is her biggest challenge today mm-hmm. that's when inventory replenishment came out as the overwhelming um, cry for help almost and so that's how we that's how we started that's amazing. Now, when you started this, were you still in corporate? Yeah. Or you, okay, great. So um, at least this, this year, so this, uh, mm-hmm. these conversations were part of here, we were still both in BCG. Um, and we were just kind of laying down the plan. So still very much employed at the time. So, okay. And a lot of start- startup entrepreneurs originate from this type of path that, you know, yeah. it became a side hustle and then the side hustle completely grew. And, you know, all of a sudden you had to do a jump. Two things I want to find out. Life was comfortable and nice again in Singapore. And you already mm-hmm. gave us a yeah. glimpse of what, what it was, right? Two things. Why did you decide to repatriate? Because a lot of, again, Maringwini probably really influenced you really well there. Okay? <laughs> Just don't come back. I'll she stop did, you. Bam. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but again, it's totally important that if you do leave, you should have the intentions of coming back. Because sometimes the unfortunate result of that is that people get the brain drain. They said, you know yeah. what? Philippines is, 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 is hopeless. I'm done. I'm just Filipino whenever Manny Pacquiao is boxing. Right? <laughs> that's, that's it. Whenever Gilas is playing. Something like that. But what made you want to come back here? And what also triggered you to then do this full time? Right, right. 
So, well, I this thing, right, that uh, Maring Winnie said, it's always been at the back of my mind. But you're right. Um, it, it's it's a choice between the life where we've already built and kind of, you know, risking for a business. So, in my mind, it was, I need the right idea to take the jump. And so when this kind of started to develop the concept, right? That's when, okay, I, I feel like this could be big enough for me to risk my corporate life. Yeah. So it was, it was really, I mean, I wish I could say it was because I wanted to serve the country or, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but the idea is big. It was massive. Yeah. And I love the fact that uh, intrinsic to the idea is that we're going to be able to help Mm-hmm. The the SME owners, but the the sheer potential of the business was was huge, and so that that kind of attracted me to it. Right, and take note at the time, right? This was before I before I understood that um, life is not about me. I was just looking for the next challenge. So it, it was a bring it on moment. Got it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. Now, again, what made you repatriate? Because you could have done it in, out of Singapore and stayed uh, in your, yeah, you know, yeah. what? why risk it all? Yes, it was a big enough challenge, but dude, that was a big-ass freaking risk that you had to take. And what was the biggest adjustment that you then had to take? when this yeah. is now your full-time and main thing? I think there was only so much we could bootstrap in terms of building the, the initial product, right? Mm. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have a, a CTO in our team also, who's one of my co-founders. So, you know, we could probably pull in some tech 
together to mm. keep it started. But to get traction, we needed to be at a certain price because um, these high ciphers needed the price cheap. And because we don't have access to supply chain, basically mm. we're selling at a loss every time, right? In the beginning. So we needed capital just to burn through that growth. And so we started to talk to um, uh, different VCs. So uh, Paul, for example. So um, even though I already knew Paul, when uh, when we presented to Paul, I remember it. I was wearing a suit and we had, you know, this financial <laughs> model, the BCG presentation. Yeah. yeah. He laughed at us, man. He was like, what are you guys doing? You don't know what you're doing. You haven't quit your job. You come in here with a suit and a bunch of Excel sheets. You guys don't have it. You don't have shit. Okay. You have nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a cent, right? So if you want money, not just from me as, a, as an investor, but if you want any money from anyone, you guys got to do it right. So it was out of necessity also, right? That, that it, it came to a natural stop, stopping point where the only way it could grow was for you know, either me or my business partner to to do it full-time. And he's of Indian uh, nationality. And so mm. it was either Philippines or India. Mm. And because I had this kind of Maringwini voice, <laughs> <at the back laughs> of my head, I was like, let's do it in Philippines. I'm going to go home. Let's wow. do it. So <laughs> that kind of drove it there. Goodbye, chicken rice. And then <laughs> done. Goodbye. All right. Now, yeah. We're back to Topsy Log, my man. <laughs> wow. So again, when all these things were being and and Paul is straight up when he gives feedback. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a hundred. <laughs> he doesn't hold back, right? He when he says it's weird, it's weird, right? So when yeah, you then yeah. got into that uh, that phase now, how did you grow the team and what was the earliest struggles from the business side um, when you were now bootstrapping? Right. You already told us uh, the 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 life side, the business side. What was that like? Because again, you can only bootstrap so much. Yeah. How did you eventually survive that? And how did you get your first uh, round of funding? So the toughest one was acquisition, really. Uh, customer acquisition. Uh, because there's no credibility. Eh? Um, mm. And we were doing it primarily feet on street. Us, right? We mm. will knock on every side, side and say, ma'am, you know, nice. why do you have to, <laughs> yeah, why do you have to take a tricycle, close down your store, go to the nearest wholesaler, you can just order it from the app. Mm-hmm. They're like, what? App? What? Like, what I don't know. What is an app, Iho? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's essentially the biggest challenge, right? Um, and then, uh, and then uh, I, I even remember, uh, you know, because growing up in in uh, in my parents' house in Quezon City, there's a Sai Sai mm. store right outside the gate. Mm. And ever since I was a child, I've known I've known the you know the the folks to run it. Yeah. So you would think, right, that because there's some personal relationship with the Sai Sai owner, that it would be easy to sell in. Mm. And you know, she's one of the nicest ladies ever. She said, "Iho." It's okay. Let me just buy from you anyway. Don't give me the app. I will just, I will just, uh, <laughs> you know. She was just trying to be nice. Yeah. So, so we had to plow through that, right? So, wow. the, the build up to the first one hundred stores was basically pulling teeth, and 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 it was because they, there's just no trust at all, right? Um, what if you sell me fake goods? Maybe 
totoo ba yung tide mo or yung yung yoshi mo baka stale or whatever right and i'm gonna sink my wearing cap <laughs> right so that was the first uh, challenge the second challenge was getting the supply so at the time paul connected us to one of the wholesalers uh, in the in in the philippines and said what if grocery registers as uh, one of your customers they buy from you and then they sell to their customers maybe you can supply from them at a slightly better price mm-hmm. we uh, we sent one of our staff there and she was the one to pick and pack orders she was just wow. kind of sitting there blah 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 so okay for, so uh, acquisition sorted we are doing it fulfillment sorted mm-hmm. now delivery so delivery of course it started mm-hmm. off just us Mm-hmm. our cars right and i'm like okay this is not sustainable because while we're delivering no one's running the business yeah. i met with uh, one of the uh, newspaper companies mm-hmm. in the philippines and they said hey we have trucks we deliver newspaper and uh, after seven o'clock or six thirty in the morning uh, and when all the newspapers are delivered the trucks are just parked why don't you use it I'm like perfect. Let's use this infrastructure. <laughs> so um, we used the, uh, we we rented one truck per day. So we paid them a daily rate to do all the routes. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing there is that their guys are used to delivering newspaper. You know, newspaper boys, right? What they yeah, do, they throw, they throw the newspaper. They, it. Woo! they don't even talk to the to the. Uh-huh. Owners, right? <laughs> so. So think about it. So think about that skill set and then you put it in the context of a fairly high-touch B2B nope. e- engagement, yeah. right? So when a size store wants to complain something or wants to talk to you about something, the, the, it's not there, right? Because they're used to like, whip, throw in. Yep. My noodles so, is the rug. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I'm gone. Right. Thank you, lady. So that didn't work out. So And we were running on our kind of last... Uh, cash, you know, mm, wow. last set of cash. And uh, one of our uh, Sari Sari store owners said, um, hey, my husband has a an L300 thingy. Mm. Maybe he can drive for you. So I'm like, hey, that's perfect. So then when we asked around the, the, our customers, they would, they would know someone who had a van or a small truck or someone that's just laying out there. So that's when we started, hey, let's do a 3PL type setup where we just kind of get these unused uh, vehicles. And then so we create the tech platform for that. So that's kind of the basis. So once you have those three more or less nailed, right? So we have some sort of acquisition model, some sort of fulfillment, and some sort of last mile. Mm. We at least had something that could grow uh, decently. Mm. I think that's when the initial kind of funding uh started how close did you go because a lot of people in startup land know that it's always <laughs> like and i just barely made it i barely just skipped the, that that axe on my head right how how close were you at and how how did you turn that first funding so on the first funding we were basically maybe 15 to 20 days away from shutdown oh my when the God. money was wired <laughs> And uh, from the from the seed round to Series A, obviously Series A is when um, the GoHoway group came in, right? Yeah. But that would also take time. We actually had to borrow money from uh, wow. uh, our seed investors 
just to bridge because the due diligence wasn't done yet and yeah, yeah. of course it will gonna take time to wire money so to your point it's really really tight so always. you know um uh, yeah. <laughs> always 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 uh, but yeah um but it, it's tough right because you have to you have to inspire confidence with your team that they're not gonna lose their job but right. uh, uh, during that, that time when we were when we haven't gotten the seed money yet these guys were like you know they didn't know that next month could be th- there could be no salary so right. no and know. that's the ability of the founder to I call it be a duck right be calm and collected <laughs> in the surface but paddling like a motherfucker underneath the water. <laughs> right? But that's it. You got you can't show that oh my god we're fucked. Right? Yeah, that that yeah. you, you got to pull it through and say that yeah, we can do that. Keep going. What is the back of your head when you go to your co-founders and like guys, we're, what the fuck are we going to do, right? This is going to be going. But that's a lot it that takes a lot of sacrifice to get over that hump. You already talked about how your finances were, were really messed up. Can you just paint yeah. us a picture? Because again, a lot of the startup people, if you really want to take this on full time, like, you know, you're not going to a venture builder model. The first thing that goes is your salary. Yeah. Always. Yeah, for sure. The first for thing sure. that goes is that 1530, you're the last one to be paid. <laughs> Sometimes you won't even get paid for months. How yeah, big was yeah. the sacrifices finance? I mean, you don't have to d- disclose, but in terms of percentage, right? How did you even make it past that big hurdle? Because if you're gotten used to a certain type of lifestyle where you can afford at least having a nice good dinner in Orchard Road yeah, yeah. and whatnot, yeah, yeah. and now you can barely afford anything, how did you cope with that? And how long did you uh, uh, do that for? Because... For those people who are really wanting to consider entrepreneurship, you have to be ready. We all did this at one yeah. point. What was yeah. that like for you? Um, drain, man. So savings drain. In terms of salary, I was getting some before the investment came in. So I was uh, uh, basically plowing through my savings. But my bis- my business partner also supported me. But because these are all our personal money, right? We couldn't really mm-hmm. spend it. So... I was probably getting like a fifth of what oh I used to make. Oh my God. Something like that. Um, so lifestyle adjustment for you. Oh yeah. Massive. Um, and, uh, and sometimes, right, you have to also, uh, uh, from whatever money you have, you also, that's where you get the salary of your sales guys and everyone. So right. at the time, the uh, you know, every 15, 30 years, yeah. because I would have like maybe seven, six people. Right. Envelope, envelopes. I would like that, uh, <laughs> withdraw from my bank yeah. and then distribute it in envelopes yeah. and then give the envelope. Still. I mean, it's as, it's yeah. as kind of tight as that. So that's probably there for, you know, almost a year and a half. Oh my God. But, but, the good thing is my my wife is working in yeah, Singapore. Yeah. You, you mentioned she's right? at least self um, self sustaining, right? Mm. Um, and but you know with this um, news of the baby, which we mentioned earlier, then that's a completely different factor because you know that uh, changes the way you say. But yeah, so you're right. Anyone who would want to do this, money's not really everything, nope. but you have to be prepared to. 
lose it. <laughs> yeah, correct. In the process, I guess. Lose it for something bigger down the road. And that's where people also just get, get scared a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to risk this because I already worked hard for this. But dude, there's a bigger pot of gold down the road. And that's, again, at the end of it all, we're not just driven by our vision. We want to be freaking rich doing this shit, right? That, that, that's the thing. <laughs> so we're willing to sacrifice whatever measly we have because we want to get to that bigger pot of gold. Now, how did you turn the corner, uh, ER? I think the, 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 what really helps is having good mentors and good partners, right? Because you're down in the trenches. Um, it's good that they have a different perspective. Yeah. They can take the big picture perspective uh, and balance my anxieties out, mm. right? So there is no way I could have done this without kind of my partners and, and my early investors. Mm. Uh, because, you know, I walk into the meeting, I'm super defeated. They're going to think of a perspective that I haven't thought of. I've renewed again. So so yeah. that at least has a sustaining force, right? Mm. I think turning the corner for me is personally mm. is actually... Um, you know, as as sappy as it might sound, to me it's a faith journey. Wow. When I uh, I had to submit my business and my skills and everything to mm. Christ, which I I feel like that experience in that process. I didn't got into it in a lot of detail, but in the process, in my dark days, dude, I did everything. I did all of the ba- name a bad thing you can think of. Yep, I did it. Mm. Going through that. And um, being given a wife and, and that child at the time that was strong enough, you know, by the power of their faith and Christ to keep still. I was redeemed out of that. I am now in a disposition in my life where everything I have, I don't deserve. Mm. And I think it's that. It's that mentality. Because I don't deserve what I have. I protect it. I, I nurture it. I share it. I... You know, I'm not insecure if it goes away or if I'm not insecure that people might want to take it away from me because I've made some bad choices in the past and I've been redeemed from wow. those choices. Mm. And and it, it just puts you in a completely different perspective. So, Got it. you know, uh, that's kind of been my, my driving force. All right. Last question before we take our last break. You mentioned that you got a lot of help in terms of the those times where it was really dark and you had people always gave you a different perspective. Can you share a little bit what those advice was or were uh, back then uh, that helped uh. you get, uh, get over the hump? Because again, I, I felt the same back then kickstart. I would even walk into a meeting or a board meeting and I was sulking. I was literally slouching and uh, you, you, you'll probably hear this if you want to listen to it. Minette Navarrete. Say, hey, you know, your body language resembles that of a loser. So you have to sit up, you know, give yourself a fighting chance and cheer yourself up. And then now I'm, I'm actively doing that. For you, I mean, that's just one example. Right? I had uh, countless of those. For you, what were those? <laughs> there, I think there are two pivotal advice that to this day I, I use. No? One is take all of the input from everyone, but Make no mistake about it. You know this business more than you know, anyone who would have a different point of view. So take all of it, 
but take the call and uh, don't be afraid to take the call because you're supposed to be the one to take it. And while that's daunting, it's also very reassuring, right? And coming from your investors, that's mm-hmm. pretty enabling. I think the second one is don't try to do everything mm-hmm. at the same time. There's a reason why you go through rounds of funding. Yeah. Besides the practical, you know, besides the practicality of not being diluted if you take in all the money today, right? Then right. you lose the business. But the, the art form in that is it keeps you focused on this money is intended for these metrics. Correct. Do nothing else but drive these metrics and then we, we live to fight another day. Um, in times where I feel like I'm lost, it's when I, I'm, I'm not able to step back and say, okay, at the end of the day, these are the metrics that matter. Let me forget about the other stuff too. So I think those two things are very um, significant. No, and that's true. Um, the young founders need to understand that fundraising is technically asking for fuel to hit those milestones. Yeah, and I, I've yeah. seen so many decks where, yeah, you had a good team. You had a good product. But when I ask, hey, yeah. where the fuck are you trying to go? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, right? and I'm going here. Like, dude, be realistic. You need to work your way back. What's the realistic thing with your ask? Yeah. Yeah. And work your way through back. What And what are those metrics that you need to hit in order to gain traction? Right? Yeah, and what, yeah. what multiple of growth are you looking at? Yep, yep, yep. That clarity is super important. So if you don't have that, you pretty much cannot do anything. Correct. Work your numbers up. And, or ask for help <laughs> for those people who are good at numbers. There's a lot of them out there, but you have to do that. All right. Now, ER, let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's pay it forward again. Give an idea how to become a better founder and walk us through that. But And also discuss how you then got to Series B. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey guys, 2021 has been an exciting year for cryptocurrency because of Bitcoin getting all-time highs almost at a daily basis now. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I use this app called B21 to invest in my crypto assets. What I love about B21 is they've made it so easy for me to invest because I do not have the time to watch the charts and see the dynamic flows of all these crypto assets. And because it's so easy to use, I was able to make massive gains right when Bitcoin was making that bull run. Now, I don't want to be the only guy who's actually benefiting from this because as a hustler, you need to make your money work for you. So download the B21 app now in the Google Play and App Store and use the code HUSTLE to see how easy it is to use and invest in your cryptocurrency now. This is Aeen Bernos, the brown girl behind Morena the Label and Ideology Studio, also known as Aeen Pero Tagalog on TikTok. And this is Riza Lana Sebastian, the serial entrepreneur behind Lana PH, Mink PH, Sala Ala PH, Ambush Clothing, and Bim Manila. Come listen to Camp Confidence Radio, a podcast about confidence, self-improvement, and success. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Till then, stay confident. And we're back from the break. We're still with E.R. Rolian again, who has now told us how he was able to get 
grocery down from the dumps and got got into the fundraising part after several close calls. But I also want to understand, ER, you mentioned that you now fully understood that you cannot do everything, right? It's important that we surround ourselves with the right people. Now, also now, ER, I just recently heard this that learned this that no matter how good we do in surrounding ourselves with the right people, their time with us will always be finite. There's a study mm. that there's, you have to go through three rounds of teams before you can go for someone that you can really go to the moon with. Walk me through mm. those, those teams that you've built. What were those like? And as you kept growing, what type of talent did you have to attract or did you need at those times? Right, right. I think tied to that question is what your role is as CEO in different stages. Yes, yes. Right. So in the very, very first stage, your role as CEO is to be CEO, CFO, C, yeah, CEO, everything. CFO, <laughs> right? Hustle, hustle, so hustle. So what you really, hustle, hustle, hustle. So the type of person you need would be someone who will just maybe take tasks, right? I need to do this, this is a checklist run. And then it's about ta-ta-ta, right? Mm-hmm. And you're basically working on day-to-day, day-to-day. As the business scales, you're starting to now look at two weeks down the line, yes. right? So you, you at least have some, um, you've built something that can run for a week so mm-hmm. that you can worry about the next week and not this week, right? Yeah. And so when you when you go to that stage, you, as a CEO, you start to put a bit more planning into your uh, into your uh, arsenal. And so you need people who can, you know, crunch numbers, plan stuff, do scenarios, but still very short term, right? You're not trying to completely redesign the playbook. You're just trying to make sure that the playbook runs for another month or so, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and for a long time, uh, you would need like young, energetic talent, yep. That will kind of, you know, let's do it, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. who now has the ability to do a bit of strategic thinking, mm-hmm. right? Then as, as that progresses, what happens is you grow, uh, especially for us geographically, right? Mm-hmm. You start with one city, then you have multiple cities. You, you simply can't be there physically on all cities. You start to create layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember at the time, I, I was telling my team, Mm. We need to make sure that between the the shipper, the one who delivers the the product, and me as CEO, there can be no more than two people in between. That mm. the organization has to be that lean, wow. right? I tried to hold on to that for a long time, but yeah. it came to a point where even that became inefficient because then what ended up happening is I, I had like thirty five direct reports. <laughs> because the organization <laughs> was so lean, right? Wow. And so I'm not giving them enough time. I'm mm-hmm. not uh, coaching well. And I'm being very uh, dictatorial because I have like yeah. five minutes with you. Just do this. Don't. I don't want to listen. Just whatever. So mm-hmm. at scaling phase, I had to embrace now a proper structure that is a bit layered. Correct. And so my role now starts to become more of an enabler, more of a... You know, what resource do you need? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. my role becomes, how do I unblock barriers? Yep. So yep. tell me what's blocking you. Let me take that away. So better mode. Um, 
We call it, I call it Tobero Motors. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a, okay, here's the freaking, let's remove it. Boom, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then now, right, as we kind of get into um, more professional investments and kind of getting into what the pipeline is, you, you tend to be, to go back to being sort of a visionary again, uh, which is where you, where you started. So it's kind of been a full circle for me. Uh, and you kind of build your team as your role evolves uh, because you, you can't kind of do everything. Correct. And a lot of that will come, as corny as it sounds, is real management skills. You know, a management of people managing a business that you won't get or it will be hard if you didn't have prior experiences. A lot of those past experience in PNG, uh, reports, analytics, making sound decisions, not just being despotic and whatnot, will really come into play and say, okay, I've been there, done this route before, and I need to be able to grow up in the decision-making process coming from rah, rah, rah at the start, surrounding yeah. yourself with the right team and whatnot. But again, three rounds of teams. Walk me through how you replenish talent. Because what people don't freaking understand is that <laughs> when you resign, you take a lot of us with you. Okay? Yeah. That's what, what yeah. it is. And we invest so much in people that, you know what? We all know it's just finite. So now I'm very more even killed. I don't really go us all out as much anymore. This is my third startup now. Before I even cry when someone fucking leaves, it feels like a breakup. <laughs> Annoying, right? Um, but now, again, it's, it's that. But how do you replace it? Uh, how did you cope when you lost good talent? And how yeah. do you make sure that that, that, that that transition is as smooth as ever? So I, I guess, firstly, it's never going to be smooth. <laughs> yes. Uh, in my experience, because it starts from the ro- because my role is changing it, it, it's what drives the organizational change um some people will just naturally be uncomfortable with that mm-hmm. and uh, for whatever reason like so they, for example they like the fact that um our cadence of review is a certain way and and part of a certain level of discussion that right now they're not a part of um and uh, we can't do much about that because the priority needs to be what's right for the business. So one way is just naturally people will just not like it and leave, right? In certain cases, um, it's because of the pace. Yeah. So anytime you're growing like 30, 40% month on month, as good as it is, there will always be a strain in the organization. People are going to feel it. It's painful. They're not sleeping, right? And so that's the more painful one because um, especially in the beginning when people leave because they're burnt, um, you realize you could have done better. But balancing the the momentum of the growth and taking care of the organization, it's almost impossible to do at the same time. Um, But yes, so that that becomes very personally painful. Mm -hmm. But but that's what you try to do. No? So when now when we say, um, let us uh, grow 2x, 3x, 4x, whatever, mm-hmm. we do spend uh, uh, more time on, okay, what will, how do we make sure the organization doesn't break? Correct. Because it's the breaking that makes them leave, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other pieces um, get traction and you start to become a bit known in the industry. 
industry. People who think they have good talent, they're going to poach. Mm. And we're, you're not prepared to match that type of salary yet yeah. because you're not yet at that level of financial thing. Mm. So what can you do, right? So you either try to retain them with hopefully either better ESOP or, mm. you know, give them more fulfilling work. But some of them in their life stage, let's say they say, you know, but I'm going to have a kid. I need a bit more stability. Can't really argue with that, right? Correct. So at the end of the day, I feel like as long as you're, um, you know what you need, these, tra- these, these evolutions will always happen. And you just, you, you got to live to fight another day. It's painful, you're right. Personally, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it crushes you. Yeah. But, you know, the, we need to move on and Correct. figure out how to staff up. We've been through worse. Don't worry. But uh, and that also, <laughs> what, what, at a certain point, and I'm just realizing it now because before... I'm always Nick Fury mode, but at a certain point, you can't just Nick Fury everything out. You have to really have a proper HR structure that not just recruits people into the team, but also takes care of the people inside, right? You know, doing capacity planning. Is this guy dying already? When is this breaking point? How do we scale it back a little bit? Or how do we try to balance it? in terms of yeah. work-life balance and also attaining the growth that we're trying to, to achieve, right? So it is tough. But that's a luxury you won't have in the beginning. You'll only no, get you to that at a certain point. So that's why, you know, that the balancing is always, it's an art form. <laughs> it is, it is. And you're always going to be chief culture officer, the CEO, right? Yeah. Always. That's going to be, the, it's basically you delegating that to the HR eventually, right? But yeah. a lot of what that would be, because again, the, the cadence of the company relies on you on how it evolves throughout the years, right? And if, if, if you're now coming from the do-it-all CEO where you're jack-of-all-trades and, and, and everything, and now you're starting to have a one-down structure with you with 30-plus reports, and now you're going to yeah. have to create a pyramid, Everything changes. And that's the rule yeah. of three and ten. I, I learned that yeah, from yeah. the guys from Sprout that, you know, as every layer, every, every time your business goes through multiples of threes, threes and tens, everything breaks apart. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. we're right there. I'm feeling it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's a good... Hang I'd on, rather, hang on. I'd have this, I'd rather have this problem than not having enough payroll. I'll, I'll take For this sure. all day. Sure. All day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last few questions before I let you go. You've done scaling uh, really well, but what did you guys do to grow so fast that enabled you to do Series B? Because not a lot of people have done Series B here. <laughs> Probably maximum a handful or in between two handfuls that been able to do that here in the Philippines now. I think because uh, the background of, of us, uh, the co-founding team, we're not from the startup world, right? We're from um, we're from FMCG companies, yeah. so PNL is very important to us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, financial all the way down is, to the last unit. <laughs> yep. So I feel like you know, and we've been—I wouldn't say criticized, but many people have have uh, have asked us, "Why are you not spending more?" Or why are you not burning through cash more? And I feel like we're we're a bit focused on unit economics. Yes. Maybe sometimes too focused. Um, and so what ended up happening was when the pandemic hit okay. uh, last year, that's the time when we were, uh, we were uh, if we were going to expand, 
our money was gonna last another 12-15 months but when we were doing the scenario planning it's possible that in six months you would run out of cash so we oh, needed shit. to raise money if, if we really wanted to push right when we raised money pandemic started the investor said we don't know at this point if the capital markets are gonna come back just because it's too uncertain and that yeah. was around like April, May of 2020 yep. nobody and, wants to cut a check um, last year yeah nobody wants to cut a check and the good thing is because our unit economics is not it's not too terrible it's not right. ideal but it's not too bad mm-hmm. right and so during the pandemic we decided that we're probably not gonna get to a lot of top line growth we're not gonna enter new cities because mm-hmm. everything's locked down but let's try to focus on how do you make this business a bit more financially sustainable mm-hmm. our numbers our profitability number we're still not profitable but mm-hmm. our um, take rates and our margins um, when investors started to benchmark grocery versus other formats in other markets nice. these companies were selling 10 times 20 times more than what our top line numbers are but we had 10 times their take rate or 5 wow. times their take rate so at least to the investors they felt like hey maybe you know there's this model is interesting because these guys have figured out a way to at least monetize yeah, the platform while other countries are just trying to play the GMV, GMV yeah, yeah, yeah. sales game. Mm. Um, so we've kind of held that position. Mm. And I felt like that's what drove the Series B narrative. Nice. Um, that uh, people were willing to invest on this because they see a path to true profitability moving forward. And, and it's that cutting down on that margin and that 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 that, that rate that how much in the red are you are, and if you see that trajectory where month on month inevitably you're gonna hit that break even point and you know go in the yeah. black at that point without sacrificing growth as much. Yeah, so yeah. That's the key balance that you're trying to do. Now, last few questions before I let you go. In grocery again, if you're not after GMB, whatever you can share, that's not gonna mess you up um, what, are, what are the metrics you guys care about the most in grocery active stores mm. active stores and uh, how much of that stores are uh, how much of it is retained week Attention. on week got it yeah because um, going back to that pivot of we are going to be a company for the stores it's the engagement right <clears throat> time will come maybe when you know, us being the primary supplier is not the most efficient for us or we are not necessarily the one sourcing the products. But if we continue to have the engagement uh, from the customers, I think that's what's going to tide us forward. So we're flexible on everything else on the model except for the fact that they should, the store should always use our app or whatever. The back end can evolve, change, pivot, whatever. But uh, so... Yeah. active stores and engagement is is our most important metric that is amazing now last uh, few questions now in in those low times that you really had to plow through you know thank you for being very candid and very transparent on that if you had to go back and change one thing over those several fuck ups that you did if you if i give you the keys to the time machine what would those be <laughs> Wala, nothing. Wow. The, uh, I'll use it some of <laughs> <laughs> My biggest treasure in this journey is um, 
what I learned personally and I wow. and my spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. So and that's not gonna if I was not um, put down on the ground, it it would not have happened. Mm-hmm. So I I do it all over again, um, exactly the same way. That's amazing. Now, last question. You mentioned that you went full circle now. At the start, you have to be absolutely visionary and abstract about how this will go. And then you go full circle, you become an operator, you become everything else. Now it's back to visionary. But when you've gone the full circle, what's that vision like now? Because now I, you, you now see that, oh my God, so apparently we can get this far. We can get more ambitious. And what, what's that ambition like now? If you say that you've gone full circle. I think uh, we can articulate it better now. We think that Sari Sari stores as an infrastructure is the best bet to digitize the entire country in, in a nutshell, right? Uh, so, um, and so whatever that means, you know, um, an enabler of fintech, an enabler of e-commerce, an enabler of distribution, what have you. These stores where 84% of Filipinos or 81% of Filipinos are still within like 200, 250 meters away of a Sari Sari store. That is a golden infrastructure. So if we can just continue to equip them with whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to be the tipping point to how their communities will eventually have just different dimensions of that. Mm. All right. that's, that's exactly true. And I love your... Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. 
Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. Sorry, so again, thanks very much. ER for such an amazing, amazing episode. <laughs> I am Thank glad you, we were able to pull it up. But before I let you go, invite people over if they want to work with you and again collaborate. If they have a sorry, sorry store chain that they want to do, what are they going? How do they do that? Thank you. So if you're a sorry, sorry store owner, just uh, go to the Play Store, download the Grocery app, start your journey with us. We are happy to help you. Um, increase your earning potential. If you are a supplier or someone who works in some industry and wants to understand how to um, uh, how to partner and use our network and work with our work with our stores, drop me an email. There you go. er.talian@grocery.com. If you are someone who is looking to spice up your uh, professional career mm-hmm. um, you know build build with us email me your resume we'll find you something interesting um, and yeah uh, thanks again Ron this has been a real pleasure thank you for giving me a platform to share our story amazing I'm a big fan now I was already a big fan prior to this but I'm a super <laughs> fan at the moment again ER thank you but before that you will follow us whenever podcast after you're listening to it is Shopify uh, Shopify why there's nothing Shopify Spotify Apple <laughs> or Apple podcast and whatnot again if we did say some jargon it's gonna be in the show notes on hustleshare.com and if you wanna join and suggest a guest in, in, in the show just go to the hustle share community on Facebook to get that done again ER thank you very much 
Thanks, Ron. Catch, catch right. up with you again. Take care. Sounds good. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.